Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The episode you're about to hear is from the Super Random Podcast by Inquirer Podcasts. If you want to hear more explainers on Pinoy pop culture phenomena, follow Super Random on your podcast app. Hi, I'm Gretchen Ho. Find out more about childhood games and how volleyball became the big sport that it is today in this episode of Super Random. Welcome to this new episode of Super Random, an Inquirer podcast powered by Puma Podcast, where we discuss and deconstruct everything Pinoy pop culture that you've either forgotten or were too embarrassed to admit you lied. I'm your super-obsessive host, Ruel Estevera. Today, we get to harken back to the nostalgic games of our childhood, and then fast forward to a sport that's taken a quantum leap to become a major spectator sport. Playing games as children remains one of the sweetest and most formative experiences for Pinoy's. From staring out the window and watching the older kids play until you're old enough to enjoying them relatively unsupervised, these games play a major role in Philippine society as well. But just how important are they for us growing up? I'm Skiltila Bastilla. I teach in Ateneo's Department of Interdisciplinary Studies and Department of Sociology and Anthropology. The thing with children's games is there are basic rules, but children are free to modify those rules along the way. So it really takes a lot of imagination and creativity in playing games. It builds relationships. You set the boundaries in terms of which players or which which kids do you do you associate yourself most with it trains kids in terms of leadership skills and over time no it it really builds the foundation of the personalities and and the character of of human the games we played are geographical as well as traditional you played with the people in the immediate area around you and these games came either naturally or were handed down to us. Can you still remember the following games? Agawan Base, the local version of Tag, which has a darker version called Ubusan Lahi, where every person you tag isn't out, but instead becomes part of your team. Shato, which involves one planting a wooden stick in the ground and the other player trying to hit it with another wooden stick. Tex. A much-missed game where players collect small colored cardboard cards with comic panels, toss them in the air with a snapping motion, and acquire the other player's cards depending on how the cards land. And Tumbang Preso, a truly classic Pinoy game 
where one player has to keep watch on a discarded can while two other players strike it with their tomato or flip-flops. So, what games did Skilty play as a child? Oh, I played all of them. <laughs> I grew up in the province, in Agusan del Sur, and that time, it was in the early 80s, the whole town was our playground. I think many listeners could, can, can relate to that. Parents then were not as, <laughs> as uh, paranoid as they are now because they would allow kids to, to just roam around and be free and uh, just come home, uh, come home at night, right? We had a huge field uh, outside of our school. So we would explore the neighborhood and, and we would go far <laughs> to, to other barangays. So, so yeah, I really, I really appreciate that part of my childhood. Let's ask someone who grew up in the city what playing games was like. I'm Seb Sarmenta. I'm a sports broadcaster, uh, occasional teacher, and communications gadfly. I had a happy childhood growing up in Santa Cruz, uh, Manila. Uh, I had playmates who were both uh, middle class and lower class uh, children. We played everything from text to patintero to tumbang preso. My parents allowed us to explore, especially during summers. Pero during uh, during uh, uh, school, uh, limited yung paglabas namin weekends lang, no. Uh, but I think in our type of neighborhood, uh, you learn one how to survive and how to live. Survive because later on, uh, you had to fight for your marbles, and literally not just as an expression, but yung holen mo pin. pin- inaaway mo yung uh, nagdanakaw ng holin mo kaya yung text mo inaagaw sa'yo so kabulan yun then, uh... I think we can all agree that the mix of playmates during those childhood days really exposed us to a wider range of people than expected True and uh, the fun part is that uh, those of us who were middle class had to adjust our game to make it more uh, like uh, our playmates who lived in the uh, squatter areas. Kasi kailangan mabuhay ka eh. Kasi yung mga taga sa looban na tinatawag nun sa Blumentritz sa Santa Cruz, sila yung namamatid, sila yung nambabalya sa basketball, sila yung nanggugulang. So to survive, uh, kailangan hindi pwede yung lelembot-lembot yung laro mo. At saka pag-away, away kalit. How about you, Skilty? So we would be playing with children who do not necessarily belong to the same uh, socioeconomic class, right? Even older children, not our batch, but they, they, they are our neighbors. And the good thing about games is, again, children are very adaptable. Whoever is around, they get to, to bond uh, in, in whatever way. One more interesting element is that those early childhood games did not necessarily distinguish between genders. Boys could play along with girls. You're correct, but as they grow older, that's where socialization uh, gets reflected in, in children's games. Many of the more physical games are only played by boys in the latter years of their childhood. For example, games like Chinese Garter or Skipping Rope. Not a lot of boys would play that. But when you really think about it, there's no inherent... <laughs> I mean, boys for sure could, could play Chinese Garter. It requires flexibility, like rules of high jump. 
And when does gender really start to divide the games between those played only by boys and those played by girls? In my experience, it happens at the onset of puberty when boys and girls are more aware of the differences between them. Girls would start menstruating and there would be changes to their bodies. Boys, puberty would come at a, at a later uh, stage. So I think around that time, kids would sort of retreat into their own circles. Like, this is for girls only, boys are not allowed, and then same with, same with boys. Skilty says when Filipinos graduate from elementary school, they usually also graduate from childhood games and move on to organized sports like basketball and volleyball in high school. For boys, the rite of passage is entrance into the organized basketball leagues, usually the barangay or the intercolor leagues, the first time they get to wear uniforms. Sev, how old were you when you joined such a league? 14. Uh, then, ang, ang uso pa noon, silkscreen pa lang yung uniforme. Ang krudo-krudo, hindi pa yung tinahe. And you were all fighting over the numbers. Nung araw, mas napaka-importante who you were. But me, I always won with number 14. I had to be Freddie Webb. It is no secret that the most popular sports in the Philippines have been basketball and boxing. Then and now. I think the popularity of the game was because, one, we played the game on our streets, in our schools. And second, as Rafe Bartolomeu says, we were good at it. Uh, Filipinos were good at the sport while the rest of the region was still learning how to play the sport. And boxing? Because there was Flashy Lord in Noara. Uh, he was uh, the champion. Ang favorite ng kalaban nung si Teruko Saka. They fought six times. Uh, ang riot doon, you had to watch, hindi pa nga sa TV mo mapapanood eh. You went to the movie house in Recto, in Odeon Theater, to watch the fight. Black and white pa. But there was also a program that sustained boxing. There were two or three. Uh, one was top pro boxing, but the most popular was Fistorama because of Joe Cantada and Tabi Tabanyag. Uh, Chocantada made the sport larger than life. It was a joy to watch him uh, Thursday or Friday evenings no araw. This did not mean they were the only sports popular among Filipino men. In particular, there was sabong or cockfighting, horse racing or carrera, and billiards. But aside from the period of time when Efren Bata Reyes and Django Bustamante were winning world championships in billiards and thus giving that sport a veneer of legitimacy, these were street-smart sports, usually involving betting and just a little bit of notoriety. During the martial law years, basketball and boxing were also part of the bread and circus element that kept the masses enthralled. It also grew both sports to where they are now, with the PBA, the UAAP, and the reign of Manny Pacquiao. The change in venue when it became Araneta Coliseum at nung naging Toyota Crispa, it became larger than life. The PBA had no opponents uh, basketball-wise. There was no NBA. The only basketball that was around was the Pro League, and occasionally the U- even the UAAP was not covered regularly at that time, huh? and the NCAA as well. 
the Crispa Toyota and the PBA Wars during that time converted the stars into bigger stars uh, ahead of social media back then. The Pacquiao era, hindi na kailangan mag-analyze eh. Basta si Manny against Mexico. There were sports that rose into popular consciousness through the success of the athletes and continue to battle to remain viable. A good example would be the Philippine men's national football team, the ASCALs, which captured the public's imagination, set off a temporary football craze, and manifested ultimately in a series of professional leagues still trying to find permanent footing. But the best example of a sport that rose from being a game to a successful spectator sport is women's volleyball. From a game played in schoolyards and during intramural tournaments, it became a college varsity sport of mind-boggling success and popularity, filling the largest sporting venues, turning its players into celebrities, sending Pinoy's abroad as foreign reinforcements, and now with its own televised, regulated, professional league. How did it get there? I'm Gretchen Hall. I do news anchoring for Signal TV and TV5. I was an athlete, professional athlete, volleyball player for about 12 years. Gretchen, how old were you when you learned to play volleyball? 11 years old. I actually picked up basketball before volleyball. But then, no, sa school namin, wala kasi kaming basketball varsity. And volleyball was the only option. Nung grade 5, may pumunta sa classroom namin. Naglagay, volleyball tryout. Sabi ko, parang gusto ko mag-varsity eh. The athlete and me, you know, even though I was very much attached to basketball, I really wanted to pursue something that would allow me to have an outlet for that energy, athleticism, my hyperness. Sabi ko, magte-tryout na rin ako kahit wala akong alam. When I went to the tryout, I was so shocked to see the Ika girls, because I'm from Ika. They were so good. They were rolling around. Ang tataas tumalon. Ang gagaling pumalo. Ang lakas dumipensa. And more than that, it felt like when I saw them, they had a special sisterhood within the team. And ako, di ba puro brothers ako, sabi ko, parang gusto kong magkaroon ng ganun na. Parang gusto kong maging part nito. The Immaculate Conception Academy in Guinos, of course, is an all-girls school. And in an all-girls school, volleyball is the apex predator sport. It is the top sport. It is the one that everybody wants to be in. Kami cool kids, in short. <laughs> you started catching the public's eye during your five years as an Ateneo Lady Eagle. How did that happen? I think mauna yung teammate ko, si Cara Acevedo. She got into the team. And then I had nothing to do one summer. I think that was third year high school. I went to their training. Nakitraining lang ako. Tapos nagustuhan nila yung laro ko. Sabi nila, pagka-graduate, mag-graduate ka, napunta ka rito. So fourth year, they were, you know, trying to convince me to go. Pero nag-iba rin kasi yung coach eh. Naging si Roger Gorayeb na in Ateneo. So I was a walk-in for Coach Roger together with his four other recruits. 
sila Zier Vasho, Jem Ferrer, Phil Kainglet, Ailis Nakachi. Kaya kami yung Fab Five. Gretchen's arrival on the college scene as part of the Fab Five coincides with a rather amazing alignment of events that would give women's volleyball a boost unseen since men's college hoops in the 2000s. Ang volleyball was light years away from what it is today. Volleyball was a school sport. Kahit nga yung UAAP in its early years, ang nanonood lang, friends, family, significant others eh. I think my batch was very lucky to be in the time na volleyball was already gaining momentum. Kasi bago pa kami pumunta doon, ang dami nang nagpapasikat sa volleyball. The batch of sila Charo Soriano, they were the ones who really started winning with Ateneo. Before that, there was already Ging Balse, um, Venus Bernal with UST, Si Maureen Penetrante with Lasal, Manila Santos with Lasal. Sikat na sila noon bago pa kami. And sikat sila sa Pinoy Exchange. Yung Pinoy Exchange talaga nagpasikat sa volleyball, masasabi ko. Pinoy Exchange is a pioneering online forum that was very popular during the rise of volleyball and in particular the Ateneo-Lasal rivalry. Maswerte lang kami kasi everything fell into place during our time. The new program of Ateneo Volleyball, new coach, lima kami doon, bagong system, bagong everything. Tapos yung storya namin na mula sa baba, naakit namin yung Ateneo hanggang sa finals na after 34 years, back-to-back finals yon. Siguro hard work na yon kasi talagang matindi yung pinagdaanan namin, ano. Uh, and then they won it when we graduated, sila Alaysa, kasi lahat ng pagkukulang namin, napunan naman nila. So it was really a build-up of, you know, teams, heartaches, and, and wounds. To be honest, I don't think a lot of people appreciate that. So, what was behind this explosion in interest? There are three reasons. One, the Shakey's Billig. Uh, is the clear reason and uh, and their catchphrase is uh, where it all started, which is so true. They had the vision that uh, the Philippines was ready for another sport that could be popularized. The second reason was UST, Lasal, Ateneo, lalo na ang Ateneo, improved because of their participation in the Shakey's Soriano. Then the Fab Five, Gretchen, Jim Ferrer, and the others arrived and made Ateneo a better team, actually. Then the third reason is social media. Uh, you have to understand about the Shakey's B-League also and the UAAP also, uh, is that it became the sport of social media. Fans would follow and the players uh, interacted with their fans. We were the first to play in Araneta. We were the first to play in Mall of Asia Arena. Kami yung nagkaroon na sobrang daming crowd na parang, wow, dati walang nanonood sa amin. Nagmimigay kami ng tickets hanggang sa pag-graduate namin, kami na yung walang ticket. <laughs> you could imagine how psychological the battle was also for us. Ang dami na naming fans bigla. Parang wala naman, hindi kami sanay dito. but ang dami na nagbabash sa amin online? Alam mo yon But I think we really learned from that. And that, ako ah, I would credit that time of my life to be the reason why I'm having a lot of success now where I am. Kasi ang dami ko na po napagdaanan noon. 
you began your college career playing in venues like the Blue Eagle Gym and the FEU Gym and ended it in the Araneta Coliseum. I think that's something I'll carry with me up until today. Na yung, I, I started from the bottom, now we're here. I, I mean, that line, it resonates with me so much. Akala ng mga tao, oh, itong mga sikat na to, di ba? Parang bigla sumikat, biglang ganyan-ganyan. Kami hindi alam namin talaga sa isa't isa na galing kami sa wala noon, wala kaming, walang nanonood noon, walang may interest. And I'm just so happy, so happy that people appreciate uh, volleyball now um, as a sport. And pinaka-nakakatuwa whenever I go around the country and I see volleyball courts everywhere, sa provinces yung net nakasabit sa coconut tree. I think, no, parang, sorry, basketball, ha, pero feeling ko medyo na-surpass na nga ng volleyball yung basketball in terms of viewership pa kasi every game talaga ang dami nanonood eh. And I think it's because of how it is able to involve the whole of the family. Hindi katulad sa basketball ang nanonood madalas mga tatay, mga mga lalaki, uh, may may konting mga babae, pero yung volleyball kasi lahat eh, lahat na, nanonood. And so with interest at an all-time high and a healthy truly professional league, what do you think of the future of Philippine volleyball? Well, I'm so glad that we have one league now. But to be honest with you, there's still a lot of politics going on behind the scenes that hinder the full growth of the sport. Sana, ano, ang wish ko sa, sa volleyball eh, maset aside natin yung pride natin tsaka yung differences natin to be able to make it more professional. Being able to put the best people together for our national team, I guess. So I hope we can prioritize the athletes. Not the leaders, but the athletes. Sev shares this sentiment as well. I think the next step is for the Philippines to get better internationally, which is still malayo pa. If we match ourselves, the, the gold standard, the barometer in Southeast Asia will have to be Thailand. If we come close to becoming like Thailand, and Thailand is now a world power in volleyball uh, because they devoted attention and resources to it, then maybe we can con- see the continued rise of uh, volleyball. So yes, as long as there are stars, as long as we have the Abi Maranios, the Alexa Valdeses, in transition from uh, an ordinary team sport, uh, the usual game you, as you mentioned, played in school. And now there are stars. There are people uh, that the fans can identify with. The eternal credit of Sila Gretchen and, and the players from LaSalle and USD as well, they they connected with the fans. Eh? They, they made sure that the fans were part of the growth of the sport as well. That's it for this Big Game episode of Super Random, an Inquirer podcast powered by Puma Podcast. This episode was produced by Macy Haven and edited by Nico Balante. We would like to thank Skilty Labastilia, Sev Sarmenta, and Gretchen Hall for joining us on the show today. If you like this episode, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on Spotify or wherever you catch your favorite podcasts. I'm Ruel S. Devera.
Hi, I'm Heidelin Diaz. Find out how I discovered weightlifting and made it all the way to an Olympic gold medal in our next episode. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.